Hello, and welcome to Openly Gamer Theater's production of The Stygian Fragment. A Call of Cthulhu roleplay drama. This is Mike, and I'm playing Father Evan Daniel Leary. Hello, this is Dan, and I am playing Phineas Lockwood. This is Brandon. I'll be playing Clarence Rouse. This is Shannon. I'm playing Julia Margaret Barnes. This is Jason. I'm playing Jack Houston Smith. And I'm Sean. I'm playing Robert Lewis Covington. Be warned, the following content may not be suitable for all audiences. why you guys insist on dragging me out here time and again you'd think you'd heard it all by now but okay my lawyer says play ball if it eases my time i'll play along it doesn't matter to me anyhow so what do you want to talk about st louis 1927 you mean 1920 uh, I, w- I wasn't in tw- uh, st louis in 27 that's really odd finn because these photos say you were oh uh, well wh- why why would a G-man be so interested in what happened in 27? Quit stalling, Lockwood. We know you were there. Okay, so so what if I was? Look, you want the deal or not? <laughs> you asked for it. Summer of 27, I decided to relocate to Chicago on account of the New Orleans scene was drying up for me and a lot of other musicians. There were things happening in Chicago. I thought I could do well. Hell... Sachmo said I could have rolled my own ticket. But I wound up in St. Louis. I got sidetracked by a skirt. Ended up playing this real dump named Thornton's, I think. But you don't care about any of that. What you really want me to talk about all started on a night in June. father called me out of the blue. I didn't even know that he knew I was in town. Not surprising. Turns out Evan kept tabs on me for a while after our first meeting. We shared a common interest. He, uh, he and I would compare notes, you could say. So he calls me, tells me he has some information that I had to see, that I had to be there right away. He can never take no for an answer, that father. So I met him. I went to the Jesuit house. I was shown up to his private library. Father, there is a Finn Lockwood here to see you. Yes, yes, let him in. Father? Hello, Finn, you're looking good. Always. So why am I here? Thank you for coming up so soon. There are some people here who want to talk to you. This is Miss Barnes. She's uh, a reporter. A reporter? And this is her associate, Mr. Rouse, a detective. 
Good evening. My name sure. is Jack Houston Smith. I don't know why everybody keeps forgetting about me. <laughs> Would you like a drink? Yes, please. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Lockwood. Why am I here, Father? Have a seat. That drunken dick and the girl, they started pulling out wads of paper and showing them to me. Looked like a bum emptied his pockets. Except for one piece. I knew it for what it was as soon as I saw it. I could see it in Leary's eyes. That's what he wanted me to see. I tried to play it cool. Where did you get this, Father? Uh, they, they found it. It was found on a man who came into my office. It was found on his person. Huh. Make an occult roll. It's mad ramblings. Uh, some of this looks familiar. It could be it could be from the the people of the monolith, from uh, a guy named uh, Jeffrey 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 Justin Justin Jeffrey. Justin. Yeah, that sounds right. I've heard of Justin. Well, uh, you have. Seems odd for a for a man of the cloth. What have you been up to, Father? No, it's something that uh, one of my associates had mentioned to me the night of the party. The party seven years ago. Is that why I'm here? You want to talk about that again? Not. Yes. Especially, but they do. These two are looking for closure. Or their relatives who died. At that, I, gave, I, gave that my, I gave my statement to the coppers. Well, they seem to be uh, wanting to dig deeper. My sister was there. Recognize her? Hand him the picture. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I was with the band. I, I was playing all night. I, I had a decent meal, and then everything went to shit. Uh, what? What? Uh, when you say everything went to shit, what's that mean? Some some crazy guy came in and shot the place up, and then then it uh, burst into flames. And then everybody went crazy. So there was just actually... Just like I told the cops. There was actually a fire. Yeah. Yeah, there was candles everywhere. Who puts candles and cloth in a cave? It doesn't make any sense. The uppity rich people, they have no concept of how the real world works. I agree. Well, it, it wasn't a fire that killed everybody, right? I don't know. I got out. How'd you make it out? How, how did you and father make it out and nobody else? I don't know. I didn't turn around and look. I yelled fire. So even if there were a lot of candles... A there fire was, that's going to kill the majority of the people is going to start that Everybody quickly. went crazy. I told you. I told, I told the cops this. I tell you this again. Everybody went crazy. When, when you say everybody went crazy, what's that mean? They, they started running from the fire? I don't know. What? I don't know. Everybody was drinking. Who knows? Who knows? Do you know if anyone else? It was just me out? and the father. There was some There was some mook guarding the door like he didn't want anybody to get out. I don't I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what was going on. There was some other stuff going on. The guy who he, shot up the place, he had a beef. I don't know. Any idea what, why he might have been shooting at the place? Did he say anything? It's mobs. Anything at all? It's mobster crap. It was seven years ago. Mobsters? What kind of mobsters? What do you mean, what kind of mobsters? I mean, they're, they're more than one kind of mobster? There are different gangs. Oh, I, I don't know about gangs. I'm from, I'm, I was just passing through. I was just playing a gig. What about your bandmates? Any of them? No one else lived. I never saw anybody. Nobody from, from Sweet House 7 lived. I never I haven't seen anybody playing since. You said it was a guy at the door trying to keep you in there. What do you make of that? Kind of seemed like it, but I didn't stick around to tell. Oh, he had a the, beef. On the other They side. were shooting. They took a shot at you, Father, didn't they? Yes, yes. Finn, you were... One more question. I'm sorry. Uh, Finn, you were playing a gig. Who, who paid you for this gig? Now that you mention it, nobody. Who was going to pay for this gig? I think that's... Sweet House. You know, the leader of the band. He pays his members. The event was hosted by the Falstaff family. Yeah. Okay. I tell you, whenever I saw the news that old man Falstaff offed himself, it was really surprising because they were in the theater that night. I figured everybody died. They all sat there quietly looking at each other. I could tell that they were more than a little frustrated with me. Larry gave me a look and told me that my stonewalling wasn't fooling him. It made me smile. Finn, does this, uh, any of these names mean anything to you? 
This was found on Names. A... It also says you're dead. Yeah, it also says you're dead. What do you know about that? What do you know about being dead? Uh, well, uh, have you ever been to New Orleans? It's a lot like being dead. I look closely at the paper. Clarence Rouse, no. Robert Covington, Covington. It kind of strikes a bell. Uh, Julie Barnes? Julie, no, I don't. Julia Barnes. Julia Barnes? Uh, none of that rings a bell. Evan sat there looking into his drink while everyone else looked at me. He cleared his throat. What are you thinking, Father? I'm thinking I would uh, like to know who Robert Covington is. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I guess that's the name we don't have accounted for, isn't it? I don't. I don't know. I didn't meet anybody at the party. I'm with. The, I don't know if you understand how they treat the help around here with rich folks. They don't really, you know, introduce you. I'm sorry. At the party, did you get a chance to look at any of the artwork? Uh, the sweet house. Uh, he showed me around a little bit, but artwork's not kind of my thing. You know. Did you see this sculpture? She showed me a really poorly drawn picture. Said it was supposed to be the statue. Let's just say she won't be painting the Hudson anytime soon, if you know what I mean. I remember a mummy. That was really weird. Seeing a mummy. I don't know if it was real or not. Kind of a uh, shriveled form, not so much uh, something in wrapping. You've uh, essentially described every mummy, ever. Up until that point, everyone mostly ignored Jack. Oh, we got archaeologists here too, huh? Unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> for real? <laughs> yes, for real. So, I guess, uh, is that all you guys need from me? Um, what instrument do you play? I play trumpet, sir. Do you still play? Yeah, I never stopped. Do you take requests? Now? <laughs> Why not? It's, we've kind of turned it into a party. I generally pay for money. Are you paying? I've got I, money. I throw, uh, $20 at you. Oh, wow, $20? I'll play all night, sister. <laughs> I put my wallet back in my pocket. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> the band strikes up. A band of one will strike up for $20. The mood darkened, and everyone was consumed with their thoughts, going over the details of what happened at Clarence's office and reviewing the items found on the dead guy. I'd like to make a suggestion. Uh, I know uh, I really am new to this conversation. <laughs> I'm not really uh, privy to exactly what's Out going with on it. here, but you know, in, in this poem, it suggests uh, it isn't real. I wish it wasn't real. History so dark and profound in Carpathian Basin or Cahokian Mound. Uh, St. Louis is known as uh, the Mound City. There are mounds all over the city, pre-Columbian mounds. Uh, across the river, a great deal of them survive. Most of them in the city have been destroyed. The Monk's Mound in particular is actually larger. The, the base of that structure is larger than the largest pyramid in Egypt. That's a true fact. True facts. But I'm not sure what your it point is. It is also, I, I, I'm just suggesting if you're looking for something, and this is part of it, that perhaps there could be a clue there that you could look for. I got something you might want to see, Miss Bonds. I kept it ever since that night. What is it? Get in my my trumpet case and pull back one of it. And I He's pull, getting reef out. I pull out the invitation that I got. This this was the invitation. This was my in. You seen something like that before in your life? I bet not. Her face tightened. Oh yes, Ooh, yeah. I remember that. The sight of the black invitation to the ball where her sister was killed opened old hearts that she tried to mask. She wasn't good at hiding her emotions. Can I keep this? Uh, no, no, you may not. <laughs> For the time being. Pluck it quickly out of her fingers. Uh, you should make a mimeograph of it. They moved in to get a closer look, hoping to find some hidden meaning like I hadn't already looked at the thing over a thousand times. I locked my case and looked up at them. Larry's eyes betrayed the fear of what was next. You could tell he was scared. He looked at Clarence and slowly nodded. Well, then I'll, I'll show him the idol. Do you remember seeing... Right, how so big is this thing? He sets know. the idol down in the middle of the table. And it goes thump. 
and uncovers it, you you've already lost sanity to it. Jason, roll sanity. I guess my sanity is fifty five. Uh huh. Fifty four. <laughs> You're good. I I vaguely remember remember this thing. Yeah, it's ugly. Why do you have it? How do you have it? That thing was in the cave. Jack inched closer to it. His eyes were were like saucers. That's a uh, very interesting. Where, where, where did you get? The, you say the uh, the man who came in your office and shot himself brought this with him. Is that, that correct? That is correct. Yes, he was clearly disheveled. Said he couldn't. Uh, his shame was. I don't know. Yeah, he shot himself. All right, I, I set my drink down, picked the idol up, and I examined it closer. I pick his drink up. And it's you handy. said you never identified this man. He had no identification on him. He had these pieces, uh, these pieces of paper. Because surely, if he has this idol, last time I saw this thing, it was behind glass case. So if he has this, I wait, almost wait. expect he was at that. Party. I'm sorry, Father. Where, where was the glass case? In the alcoves. Yeah, all of, the of all the, the of the cave that you were all the art. Party mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. the art was behind glass, you know, so people wouldn't steal it. Right. You know. So this toad is is, in fact, not a. Uh, North American artifact. No, you you identify it as very distinctly Mississippi. Nor- North America because the markings are very Mississippian. But the thing on top, it's so eroded. It looks like a blob, a toad-looking blob. But it could have been something else. Just has been in such poor condition. Would like to uh, take some photographs of this artifact. Perhaps. Oh, you've taken photographs. Yes. Could I step out uh, for some air? Sure. You gonna jump off the balcony, Father? No, I'm stepping out for air. Anytime somebody steps out for air, I follow him and I smoke next to him. Evan and I stepped out to the balcony, leaving the others to continue their conspiring and inspection of the idol. It's been a long time, Father. I haven't heard from you. Been very busy with the with our uh, current project. Did you ever go back? I always thought about it. No, I don't know who those two 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 people are. You talking to? I don't know them. But I, I would never go back. Well, I, uh, I know oh. you'd never go back. I remember. I remember you screaming bloody murder. That's why I'm outside. It's just seeing the idols making me a little claustrophobic. There's something going on. I don't know. I don't know. We stepped back into the library. As I took my seat, Clarence put one of the scraps of paper into my hand. What's this? This receipt was also found on his person. It doesn't make much sense to me. I mean... But Everybody grabs for it at yeah. once. <laughs> Give me that. I'm still looking at the idol. Nails, beams, sledgehammer. That's beans. Beans. Like five, food. He bought five pounds of beans. Nice. Nails, beans, hammer. And I don't know. what. What's the last thing? And candy. Sledge handles. That don't make any sense. Have you even gone to this general store to see who would buy it? Uh, it's closed. closed. It won't be open until tomorrow. Um, let me see that again real quick. Father, you want to take a look at that? But uh, it, it, nails, beans, sledgehammer, and candy. Um, that uh, the cave where where it was held. It was the uh, Cherokee. Yeah, it was on Cherokee, Cherokee Club. Street. Yeah, it was the Cherokee Club on Cherokee Street. Uh, is it all boarded up now? I mean, what's, what's I this? haven't I haven't been back in town, Father. It's they've, also yeah, they've all they, everything everything Cherokee Cave has been completely blocked up. You can get it if you try hard enough, including the restaurant. I imagine. Yeah, it's been closed down since the fire. Since the fire, and they just never reopened. Right. Okay. How much do you know about St. Louis? Are you from St. Louis? I am from St. Louis. Yes. From St. Louis? No, I'm from Cincinnati. No. It's a cave. Right. The uh, car's topography There's, makes it that way. There's more than one entrance to a cave. There's but, nothing there. Nothing there. Well, Unless you know that's what you're looking it. for. You don't no. know what you're looking for. I don't know. You don't know nothing. I'm helping you, though. That's all you... I'm helping you. How did you help me exactly? I gave you more information. I want to... Obviously, I want to 
Fast forward till tomorrow well, and you can talk to those people. I want to fill out the fifth name and I want to go to the gro- the general store. This is um, a hotel? hotel. They would still be open at this Absolutely. time of night. That's where I'm staying. And I'm pretty sure somebody just bought my room for the night. <laughs> From her bag, Julia started pulling out wads of cash, offering to cover our hotel rooms at the plaza of all places. I wasn't going to say no. I, I've never had a lady buy me a room before. It's kind of peculiar. I throw him. I, I give him enough money for a night in the hotel, but like more than enough. Who are you? Tossing in him. And where you get all this money? Julie Barnes. I don't know. What do you make of that note, Jack? Anything? A receipt? It makes no sense. It, I mean, none of the things on there. I mean, are really associated with one another, other than the the nails and the sledgehammer handles. But uh, clearly, somebody was gonna hammer something shut. Maybe. Why the beans and the candy? I don't know. Kids like candy. Maybe they're trying to attract some kids. Beans. I like beans. You like beans? It was decided to go to the Plaza Hotel right then and there. Find this Robert Covington character and see what he knew. From the field notes of Julia Margaret Barnes, June 21st, 1927, St. Louis, Missouri. The Plaza Hotel is very likely the finest hotel in the city. Rouse, Leary, Lockwood, and I rode in Smith's car, arriving shortly before 11 p.m. Leaving them in the lounge, I walked directly up to the concierge desk, give him a real charming, sort of winning smile. Hi, ah. Uh. I have an appointment here, a, a meeting with a friend, and I can't remember when it is. Uh, it's with a Robert Covington. Could you could you look that up? Okay, make a um, persuasion. It smells right. like a bullshit roll to me. <laughs> Nailed it! 22, needed 65 or under. Mr. Covington, and your name, miss? Julia Barnes. I will ring his room. I'm so sorry to disturb you, sir, but there is a Julia Barnes at the front desk to see you. Barnes. No, sir. No, sir. Brunette. Thank you, sir. Mr. Covington will be down momentarily. Thirty minutes later, the central doors of the main elevator opened and Robert Covington stepped out. He was possibly the tallest man I had ever seen. Lanky, angular, even in his oversized suit. His dark, hollow eyes and dour expression gave him a distinctly sinister look, like a man who had seen too much in his life. As he approached, I shook off my unease and extended my hand. Mr. Covington. That'd be Dr. Covington. I'm so sorry. Dr. Covington. It's nice to meet you. I'm I'm Julia Barnes. Oh, hello, Julia. I'm Clarence Rouse. I got a question for you. How do you end up on this list of names I found on a dead man? What? Let me see this list. I'm Clarence Rouse. She's Julia Barnes. How do you end up on that list? And do any of the other names ring a bell? No, I cannot tell you why. He was so still as he studied the paper that I began to wonder if he had fallen asleep on his feet. Very slowly, he handed it back to me. Hmm. So, Dr. Covington, what brings you to St. Louis? Who are you again? My name's Julia Barnes. 
I am a reporter for the Globe Democrat. I am doing an investigation. This here is Clarence Rouse, Private Eye. Well, listen, Doctor, I don't care why you're in town. I just want to know what you know about that note. I don't uh, know how I want to address this. Well, you better start addressing something fast. You're just a private detective. You aren't nothing to me. You have no real law here. I'm not here as law. Well, then my business with you is done. I know I gave Rouse a harsh look. His brash manner was spooking Covington off. I needed to lighten things up to keep him talking. I'm just here for information. Oh. I'm going gonna, gonna to walk away and let her. I am curious about this note and your name and why it's on it and who you are going to meet tomorrow here. All I can tell you is that I'm supposed to meet a man named Dorian. What did he look like? That I can't tell you. I had a family member who was uh, murdered. About seven years ago? His stone face darkened and his eyes bore into me. Roughly seven years ago. In a fire? Covington's mouth tightened. Yes, in a fire. Almost exactly seven years ago? Um, yeah. And you're who again? Julia Barnes. Julia Barnes. Hmm. I am interested in what you are meeting this Dorian about. All I know is he has information on the death of my uncle. Did you get any of that before now? No. It's just stories throughout the family and rumors. I don't believe you will be getting any information from Dorian. Do you know Dorian? I have reason to believe he's dead. Oh, well. You may have gotten some correspondence, a letter... Yes, I have. Could I, see, I? I see your dick has been uh, doing his job. Do you have it on you? Well, it's up in my room. Would you like to come up? I could tell that I was getting to him. Whether I was piquing his interest or making him mad, either way I knew. At that moment, I had him. Sure. I'll meet you up there in ten minutes. All right. And then I go get Brandon again. <laughs> and start feeding him coffee. <laughs> Sober him up. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not stumbling drunk. I'm a professional I, drunk. I, I, He's a high-functioning drunk. Yeah. I, I, I buy him a cup of coffee. I'm like, here, have this. Go splash some water on your face. I need you sharp. Irish coffee? Yes, but it's not. <laughs> just set it down. This doesn't taste right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you need me for? I, I can handle anything. I need an escort. Oh, been looking forward to this. It doesn't mean the same thing in the 1920s. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'm with you. What did you, you get from the doc? He's going to give me that letter, but... He wanted me to join him in his room. Well, let's go join him in his room, then. Let's. We made our way upstairs to Robert's room. As I knocked on the door, Rouse stood to the side, waiting until Covington opened up. When he did, Clarence muscled his way in. Oh, so you brought your dick. Hey, Doc. Did you find your letter? Yes, I did. There really isn't much to this letter. Just that he was going to meet me here in St. Louis. I have not yet contacted him on a place in time. He just said he wanted to meet me before the 23rd. Covington handed me the handwritten letter. The script matched that of the list of names found in the dead man's pocket. Only the pin strokes were far less manic, likely from a time before the poor soul lost his mind. 16 April, 1927. Dr. Covington, I know we have never met. I have a unique perspective into the death of Daniel. I am one of the only survivors of that fateful night. I very much would like to converse with you, preferably in person. I fear that you and others that are directly or indirectly linked with that night are in terrible danger. I will meet you in St. Louis at a place and time of your choosing, as long as it is before June 23rd. Thank you, Dorian Daly. I handed the letter back to Covington, who took it and neatly folded it before tucking the paper into the inner pocket of his suit coat. Did you have any correspondence with him after this? No. So you have no idea why it had to be before the 23rd? Not a clue. I don't know much about this daily. It seems unlikely, and... I may be wrong now. I had a run-in with a man earlier this evening. 
came into my office, gave me some information, shot himself. In your office? Yeah, it's, it's not important. He came in, he had this list, had your name on it, and a date. Leads me to believe that this was the guy, but he had no identification on him. He also had two other pieces of paper on him. Huh. We've deciphered that this piece of paper you're looking at now comes from a book. Yeah? The People of the Monolith by Justin Jeffries. Hmm. So what do you know of this, Dorian Daly? What do you know? Well, I don't know anything of him. He, he brought me also this idol. Hmm. Rouse pulled the idol out from under his raincoat. Covington's eyes widen and he gasps in revulsion. Sanity rule. Dang. That's why I keep showing that thing there, but everybody might get sanity. <laughs> All right. Sanity rule is 65. 41. That's uh, very uh, disgusting. It was there that faithful night. I don't think I'd be carrying that thing around. I don't know what else to do with it. He also had a receipt from a general store. Nails, beans, candy, and sledge handles. Okay. Very odd. You're a smart man, much smarter than me. Do you uh, you make heads or tails of that? Covington looked at the receipt, pointing casually to a number at the top. Well, if you look here, it's credited 495, and here's his uh, number at the top that should ID who he is. Upon getting this letter that all of us may or may be in danger, right I want to grab Finn, and I want to grab Father Leary and tell him, hey, I don't know what's going on. This letter says you may be in danger. It looks like we may have two days to get this figured out before something bad happens. That's all I know. Father, what do you make of all this? This is definitely disconcerting. And uh, I don't think anybody was meant to leave that cave. I think people may be tying up loose ends. Tying up loose ends? Why did they wait so long? I don't know. Maybe they didn't find out. Maybe somebody started asking questions. Hmm. Like a nosy reporter, maybe. Hmm. Or a family member. I don't know. I'll stick around. I'm with you, Father. You won't lead me astray, will you? No, no. But uh, we best uh, take care to uh, protect ourselves. It was agreed that we would meet the next day in the plaza's lobby, compare notes, and track down leads. The first being the receipt to Heiberg's market. June 22nd, 1927. In the pouring rain, I made my way to the Plaza Hotel, where Julia greeted me in the lobby. The way she looked, she must have gotten up at 5 a.m. to get ready. Hair, nails, makeup, flawless. I caught my reflection in one of the lobby's main mirrors. Let's just say that I'm lucky the doorman let me in. She informed me that Smith, Leary, and Covington were finishing breakfast and would be joining us shortly. As for Lockwood... In true dewdropper fashion, they were unable to rouse him. I offered to handle it myself, but Julie doubted he would be much use anyway. While we waited, Julie offered me her notes of the night before. I could tell she expected me to return the jester, and was less than impressed with my wadded-up pocket filing system. Jeepers, 
Even her handwriting was beautiful. At this early hour, the only quilt I could get was from my flask, so I hit it twice as she read. Not long after, she sorted my papers, folded them, and put them in her notebook for safekeeping. Smith, Leary, and the doctor met up with us. The valet brought Jack's car around, and we piled in. Because of the storm, Jack had to drive slowly, which seemed to annoy him greatly. For such an educated man, Smith was way too fascinated with dames and cars. A real egg. Shortly after nine, we pulled up in front of Heierberg's Market and General Exchange, a large corner store in Midtown. It had a modest warehouse next door that housed much of the larger items for sale. I had Jack continue down the block a bit. Julia, Covington, and I went inside while Jack and Larry walked to the warehouse to look around. Inside, the store was separated into the grocery section and the exchange. Julia made her way to the exchange where a portly man leaned on the counter, enjoying the sight of her she approached as he dealt with another customer. The doc and I walked up to a couple behind the grocery counter. As we approached, the woman turned and busied herself with the shelves behind her as the balding man smiled and greeted us. Good morning, Frederick Herberg. How can I help you, gentlemen? Nice to meet you, Frederick. I found the receipt on a man who gave me a package. Could you give me information on this receipt, who the man may have been? You found a receipt from my store on someone who delivered a package to you. That's correct. Well, seeing as you're here, I assume the person's unable to identify themselves. Are you with the police? No. I see. Uh, may I ask who you are? Oh, uh, yeah, you may. My name is Clarence Rouse, private investigator. Ah, may I see your investigator's license? Uh, you may. I pulled out my wallet, flipped it open, and showed him my license. Okay. Please step into my office. He nodded to the woman next to him, who had turned when I began speaking. A look of concern crossed her face, but he patted her on the shoulder as he passed, leading us to the rear of the store. Frederick took a step into a cluttered office, then turned to Covington. I'm sorry, and you are? Dr. Covington. Nice to meet you, doctor. Please, please have a seat. Heierberg cleared off a couple chairs, setting the boxes on the floor next to the door, and moved to his desk. He waited for us to sit before taking his own seat. He took out a pair of reading glasses from his coat pocket and looked intently at the receipt. Oh, let's see. Uh, yes, uh, ticket 1146. Frederick flipped the pages of the large ledger in front of him, going backwards, until he seemed to find what he was looking for and pointed a thin finger at an entry midway down the right page. Those items were purchased by a representative of the Gedeke brothers. They do a lot of business here, I presume? Oh, yes, sir. They're one of my most loyal customers. Major construction firm. Many times they send men from one job or another to get supplies. Looks like whoever this person was tacked on a bag of candy for himself. Uh, I appreciate your help. You're most welcome. If you're looking for the identity of your mystery man, it's very likely the Gedekis know who he is. Heiberg wrote down the address of the Gedeke brothers' office, handed me the slip of paper, stood, and shook our hands. We'll, uh, we'll head down there. I appreciate you being very helpful. Have a good day, sir. We made our way to the front of the store and saw that Julie was still standing in front of the exchange counter. She was holding out the keys we found on the dead guy. I looked at Covington and nodded to the door, indicating that I'd meet up with him there. As I slowly walked up behind Julia, the man at the counter cleared his throat. Well, ma'am, this one here is what they call a standard Yale lock key. Very likely to open the front door of a home or, say, an apartment. <sighs> this one here... Wait, this? Where did you find this? Fast talk if you're trying to bullshit him. I do not fast talk. Okay, he kind of looks at you. I fold up a crisp fiber. I slide it across the counter. I don't think it matters where I got them. This is what they call a paracentric key. 
but it is of a very old design, likely to an old building. The key itself, however, it, it, it isn't old at all. In fact, it's a copy. Is there any way I can find out what building this key... Sorry, miss, but I'm not clairvoyant. Alright, so I take the keys and go. Julia turned and looked at me. I could tell she wasn't satisfied with the information the man had given her about the keys, but her eyes told me that this guy had nothing else. Covington was waiting outside under the awning as we exited with an umbrella open and ready. We walked towards Smith's car. So what'd you find out? The receipt was bought in the name of a, of a construction company, Gedeke Brothers. I've got the address here. It's not too far away. Good. I found out about the keys, although it wasn't much. One, just a basic house key. The other one's, it's an old key to an old building. It's a copy of the original, but that's all. Hey, these guys we're going to see, they do renovations. They might know what this key goes to. They might have the original. That makes sense, Doc. When Jack and the father finally caught up with us, we all decided the best place to go next was the Gedekis. The rain fell in sheets as we turned down Utah and headed towards the river. June 22, 1927, office of Gedeke Brothers Construction Company. We arrived shortly before 11 a.m. The Gedeke Brothers' main office was a single-story building on 2nd Street, surrounded by a tall wooden fence. The stormy weather gave it a gloomy, uninviting appearance. Rouse had Professor Smith pull his car directly in front and stay there, engine running, so we could leave in haste, should we need to. The professor's face betrayed his irritation, but he agreed to wait outside while Leary and Covington joined Clarence and I as we dashed inside, vainly attempting to avoid getting soaked. Filing into the cramped reception area of the office, we were quickly intercepted by a hatchet-faced moose of a woman named Gloria. Though she manned the desk in the greeting area, she seemed to take our presence as a personal affront, as if dealing with customers was a bother that fell outside her scope of responsibility. Why a company would put someone like her in a position to be the first impression people got of them was beyond me. Without veiling her contempt, she took our names and slowly disappeared through the door in the rear of the room. From where he stood, Clarence could clearly see the items atop the woman's desk. When his eyes met mine, he shook his head. Nothing of importance. He leaned as if he was going to check the desk's drawers, but the door suddenly opened and a massive lantern-jaw man came in. He looked every bit the part of hired goon, but his introduction indicated that he was a co-owner of the most powerful construction firm in the city. Stan Gedeke, what can I do for you? Stanley, hi, my name's Clarence Rouse. Clarence. Julia Barnes. Dr. Covington. Father Leary. He eyed us with suspicion before turning sideways and indicating the door behind him. Please, step into my office. We followed him to a brightly lit office at the end of a narrow hallway. As we spread out, Stan took a seat behind a rather plain Spartan desk, 
His cold eyes slowly looked us up and down. He steepled his thick fingers. And what is this about? Found this receipt on a man. Probably didn't come into work today. I see. His broad stone face cracked in confusion. Then he took the paper from Clarence's outstretched hand and studied it. Recognition gleamed in his eyes and his jaw tensed. Dorian Daly. Dorian Daly. I imagine Dorian didn't make it into work today. No, he did not. He's been fired. Whoa. Oh, what did, uh, what was Dorian fired for, if you don't mind me asking? Buying candy, obviously. Buying candy on the company dime. His heavy black brows hooded his eyes, giving him a dark appearance. He spoke through gritted teeth. He is wanted by the police. What for? A workplace theft. Mm-hmm. From your workplace? From the site he was working, yes. What site was that? The Falstaff Mansion renovation. One of our security guards saw him running from the site with something under his arm. We found out later that property from the home was taken. When? Two nights ago. His wooden chair creaked in protest as he slowly sat back. So how does this involve a priest, a doctor, a drunken bull, and a choice bit of calico? I show him... Sounds uh, like the start of a joke, doesn't it? <laughs> a gambling debt he owes us. glances. Gedeke took a deep breath, giving clear indication that we were seconds from being tossed out and would be more than capable of handling the job personally. Oh. I'm investigating the case. I'm writing a story. Oh, a reporter. In that case, it's spelled G-O-E-T-O-K-E. Gedeke. We'll make sure I, you, I, I write it right. down. His demeanor softened. Suspicion ebbed. His eyes lingered uncomfortably on the rest of me before meeting my eyes. Then he looked at the others. Mr. Daly worked for us for a few years. General laborer. Until, as I said, he was seen stealing from a work site. He broke into a storage area where valuables are being secured during the renovation and stole a piece of art. Didn't they make some precautions so that things wouldn't be taken? It was locked. Was oh, the lock sorry. broken? Well, no. He must have picked it. We notified the police and Mr. Falstaff immediately. Which Falstaff is this? Charles. Well, I think the police got their man. I'm sure my secretary can provide you with his last known address. That would, uh, yeah, that'd be great if you share that with us. A predatory smile spread across his lips as he turned his complete attention back to me. It wasn't the first time some palooka thought that size and a cocksure swagger was all it took to make me swoon. I gave him a shy wink and a smile. A tactic I like to call the moron killer. It was a pleasure meeting you. The pleasure was all mine, Julia. Let me know if I can do anything else for you. Thanks for all the help. He walked us out, stopping to have Mrs. Sourpuss write the address we needed on a card. 1820 Arsenal Street, apartment 2C. On the way out, uh, I'll ask if I can use their phone real quick and just call the police and follow up on, the, on Dorian and, and see if they've identified him and... Rouse walked over to the corner where the telephone rested in a wall box. For a guy who hadn't been a cop for years, he still had a lot of connections on the force. I guess the fact that he grew up around police, dad, uncles, cousins, brother. It didn't surprise me all that much that he seemed to be on a first-name basis with every officer in the city. He didn't mind me crowding in close to here. He even turned the earpiece slightly. There's not a whole lot to go on. It's a real head-scratcher. Look into the name Dorian Daly. Daily? Okay. Maybe your guy. Thanks, Clarence. I owe you one. Yeah, no problem, Sam. 
Yeah, I want to call. Uh, I want to call up Finn. This is Finn Lockwood at your service. Who am I speaking with? Finn, it's Clarence. Uh, we met last night. I assume you remember me. How could I forget? Yeah, that's what I thought. We're on to some stuff here. Didn't know if you'd want to be involved or not, since it may or may not. Uh... Am I still in danger? Seems like you may be in danger. Right. So you can stay hold up here in the closet and hide in your head. Or you. Can... I like where your head's at. This is a nice place. Do you need my service? I don't know what you, I don't need a saxophone player or a trumpet player enough if that's what you're asking. I've seen a lot of things. We're all going to the guy's house who had the who had the who had the statue. You got an address? We got an address. I'll see you there. Clarence set the earpiece back in its cradle and smiled at me. As he walked out into the rain, I watched him. There was a bounce to his step that I hadn't noticed before. Thank you for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Stygian Fragment. Please check for further episodes posted on our website, gamerstable.com. Theme music by Thomas Grillo. Background music by Musica Cthuliana. Openly Gamer Theater would like to thank H.P. Lovecraft for giving us Cthulhu. Any commercial use of this production is prohibited. Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium Incorporated. Openly Gamer Theater is trademark property of Side Tangent Productions.